This is John Stepling. This is Aesthetic Resistance, uh, podcast number 58. Uh, and with me in Sweden, Johan Edebo. Hi, Johan. Good afternoon. Hey. In Toronto, Corey Morningstar. <laughs> hey, John. Hi. Good morning. Hi, and um, in India, um, we welcome back Varun Mathur uh, in New Delhi. Hi, Varun. Good evening. And Hiroyuki may or may not show up. We don't know. Um, uh, okay, so so I thought we could just start a little bit with people talking about this, what the situation is, where they are. Um, you know, Corey in Canada, Varun in India, um, Johan and I are in, are in Scandinavia, Norway and Sweden. So, um, if, if Varun, why don't you start? Hmm? Yeah, sure. Um, well, it's unfortunate because I mean, we were worried that this would happen and it's starting to happen now. I mean, I know there are direct connections, people who are dying in their sleep. Um, elderly who are suddenly passing away of cardiac arrests, young people who are dying. Um, there's news of all of that from all over the country now, including children who have had the second shot. And a lot of the parents have taken to Twitter and Instagram to ask the Ministry of uh, Health, um, as well as uh, Adar Poonawala, who is one of the manufacturers of the vaccine, of why there is no... Um, no response to any of this mass scale event of injuries and death that is occurring. But then you also have paramilitary forces going into villages and forcing people to take the shots. There are literally seen videos of people getting pinned to the ground and getting a jab in their fucking arms. Unbelievable. All of that is happening, man. Like, and it's, it, and now it's so funny because the central government has told the Supreme Court in India that the vaccination is not mandatory. That's up to choice. But I get a call from a lady who's a cook saying that they won't let her girl go to school unless she's had both the shots. Right. So that's the game they're trying to play now. And I'm, I'm supposed to leave on a shoot uh, in a few weeks. And we were trying to figure out if I need these RT-PCR tests, I still haven't got even a single test in all these all this time. <laughs> Not one. Well, but but and but this is this is what I mean. The same thing here, in a sense. There was a headline today um, from the government, the the Minister of Health, that they they are recognizing fifty thousand recorded side effects from the vaccination. Um, that's that's a, a lot in Norway, which is a small country. And there's 5 million people. They claim there's like 89% um, vaccinated. I'm not sure I believe that, but uh, so 50,000 recorded and they haven't um, had time to investigate all of them. That's what they're saying. So that's going on. Meanwhile, uh, masks are mandatory in certain places, um, in doctor's offices or dentist offices, but not other places. I can go to the chess club in a chess tournament and play without a mask, but I can't go certain other places if it's in, um, you know, a designated high infection. I mean, it's ridiculous and nobody has any idea. The problem is, of course, um, nobody has any idea about any of this. And I have no idea right now about 
what the rules for travel to and from um, Norway are. I mean, I gave up trying to, to follow it, in fact. It's so, these contradictions seem to be everywhere. Um, Johan, do you know, but with Sweden, what's... Yeah, well, the, the, it's kind of still peaceful and quiet here. There has been a, a wave of criticism against the lockdowns and the vaccine passports from from actually many parts of the established media. And there is a kind of conspicuous silence uh, about COVID right now the last few days. So, so the, yeah, it's pretty weird, I think. There's also this, um, this article today about how, how uh, a test provider has, has to be closed because there are, they have found serious flaws in, in, the, in the protocols and in the, how they've handled the testing procedures and all of that. Otherwise, things are kind of normal here, actually. Yeah, um, I, th I think in general, there is more open criticism um, in Norway. Uh, certainly, there's more than there was uh, six months, eight months ago. I wouldn't say there's a lot of criticism. However, uh, I think most people here simply um, simply believe the government um, mm. about about all topics and uh covid is 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 one of those topics they they but but then you know children there has never been a, a mandate that children be masked here and no mandate that children get vaccinated nothing even implying that so um <clears throat> so we've been spared those those issues. Corey, what about what's the state of Canada now? Um, really bad, actually. It's so they're sl slowly lifting some restrictions and um, um, widening capacity in certain certain areas. Um, I think I saw a note that gyms can open in Ontario um, is probably at 50% capacity next week. Um, Quebec's the worst. It's everyone has masks on. I mean, anywhere I go, I've never bought a mask ever since it started. I've never been tested. I, I don't go along with any of this. Um, actually, even every day I run and I pick masks up off the road, bring them home, put them in the cut those fucking strings off, put them in the garbage. Um, so anyway, Quebec, um, they have they're in looking at introducing a vax pass. Um, the Liberal Party, I think Ontario's looking at mandating the booster now. Um, they've already, I believe, mandated a, a booster in Quebec. So everywhere in the world that I look, as soon as there's a new booster now, the vaccine certificate becomes um, mute, right? It no longer, it expires. The instant there's another one mandated, it expires, just like we said from day one. And so I think, you know, that that's making a lot of people think what the fuck, you know, I already took the first two. I'm not taking them anymore. A um, lot of resistance. There's not a lot of resistance. I shouldn't say that. The, the people themselves, Canada is a really young country, right, on stolen land. So we have um, the people are very, 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 very passive here, very passive, very polite. Um, people know this, that know Canadians that come to Canada, but we do have protests in big cities happening. Not Nothing like Europe, but still, I mean, there is something. I think people grumble more privately. Um, unions have been pretty good trying to fight and protect uh, their workers. There's a huge convoy that started out BC. I think 30,000 trucks from, from the East Coast and the West all headed to Ottawa, to the capital. 
Um, and I think they're getting there on January 31st and these mandates, um, what else is happening? Um, it, it's, it's not good. I mean, so they have the Vax Pass coming in Quebec yesterday, I think, or the day before all big box now has now jumped on board. And they, if you're 13 years old or older, you can't come in the stores without, um, your vaccination status with, which I guess is your passport that's in Quebec. So things are moving really, really fast now because, as more and more people, you know, recognize the adverse reactions and deaths and just the misinformation on their on their end, not by the quote unquote anti-vaxxers. Um, there was a really great article in the Globe and Mail on Saturday, and that's sort of shocking that was in there. Globe and Mail is one of Canada's biggest um, newspapers. So that sort of shows um, maybe um, a bit of... Um, something a turning point happening here but the the faster it falls apart the faster they're pressing on the passports and that's just not here like the one I when I looked you know what's happening when Ireland announced they're dropping everything that's actually not true like the the passport part is being pushed it's like I'm a release valve for people you know um to get them sort of off guard thinking it's over but that's not true at all yeah um Johan yeah, Corey, I was just wondering, didn't you have uh, an established national vaccine passport before this? Or is it now, are they now rolling out some kind of standardized thing? We, no, we never had. Uh, what do you mean? Okay. Oh, I thought you had to like show proof of vaccination at public venues. Oh, case. yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Johan. We did. We do have yeah. to do that still. Um, uh-huh. So again, that's expanding, like I said, into liquor stores now, big box. This is in Quebec, but I mean, we're right beside Quebec. So as soon as it goes into one province, I expect mm-hmm. it'll go right across the country. Um, so yeah, there is that. I mean, I, I, <sighs> I, I, I don't go out a lot. And it's been really psychologically damaging to see this happen to people and children. So I haven't been out a lot. Um, I, I, I watch the numbers in the long-term care homes, which people don't understand. Most of the deaths in Canada with COVID have come from there. Um, if you go to the government um, stats on the vaccine injuries um, to children and that they're about, a, it started off a few hundred extra every week. And now it's up, it seems to just be going, you know, a straight line up. Now it's about a thousand every week, um, adverse injuries and death. Um, anyway, it's, it's... yeah, well, you know, it's strange because as I say, this is a, a day doesn't seem to go by in which uh, mm-hmm. some notable athlete has not dropped dead on the field. Um, in all kinds of sports, mostly it seems young men, but <clears throat> but I've seen both men and women. Uh, <clears throat> Fifty thousand uh, reported, you know, significant side effects, negative side effects in Norway. Wow. It's a headline, and yet, and yet, it's not a topic of conversation. I, I, you know, people don't seem not this. There is either an extraordinary a degree of compartmentalizing going on or or something else that i i don't fully understand but these things don't don't because in a sense we've all talked about well you know the so-called narrative the master narrative the propaganda 
rollout is falling apart. The, mm -hmm. the, the narrative is crumbling. <laughs> more and more people are skeptical. We've seen massive demonstrations around the world, massive, massive, massive. A lot of a lot of backpedaling by governments on restrictions are being lifted. The World Health Organization has backpedaled on certain things at least one day, but then the next day they will contradict what they said the previous day. Uh, and 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 I'm sure I'm, I feel relatively sure that that these protests had a significant impact in on the the. The, these global health institutions and, and world governments, uh, though it seems these, these NGOs and health um, institutions have a lot more power than the governments or, or say a lot more say in these things. Um, and yet, and yet, uh, and, and I wrote about this a bit in the last blog post, and yet I feel like the protocols, the state of emergency that was called in most places, almost all places, has normalized an awful lot of yeah. things yeah. that that are never going to retreat. Um, uh, uh, I th I think mask wearing is normalized now, not all the time, but no one's going to blink uh, at at groups of people going places in masks. Uh, it, it, you know, it's seen as a rational. You know, mask your children if you're going to a new environment or something. I mean, we're seeing all this kind of new, these new voodoo rituals, and it's mm -hmm. most certainly becoming um, increasingly uh, like, you know, next level moral crusade is happening. Yeah. Um, it's But in the United States in particular, it seems to me, the, the, the most um, hysterical and, 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 uh, uh, overwrought declarations are, are coming out of the use, but then, you know, on then on the you know in the very next minute, somebody like Barry Weiss is on Bill Maher, and making more sense than ninety percent of the other people I hear in media. That's the state of of you know of the the strangeness of it. So I want to. So I'm I'm raising those issues. And turning it over to you guys, but also this question of, um, of how the reset, the so-called uh, great reset, and and climate, you know, the climate uh, crisis, I guess is the word, uh, is being reintroduced um, to mm. the public by media, and and what's going on with that? I mean, I have my thoughts, but I'll Corey. I wanted to jump in there on, on the mask thing. So I saw on CNN, I saw um, not long ago, her name's Dr. Leanna Wen. She's on CNN, I guess, all the time, which I don't watch, but I came across this. So anyway, she's a, another World Economic Forum young global leader, um, one of Times' most influential people, Brookings, who consult and counsel on foreign relations. Anyway, she was on CNN and she actually said, um, on December 20th, class cl sorry, cloth masks are little more than facial decorations. There are no place for them in light of Omicron. So you've got, you know, people wearing all these masks for two years. Now all of a sudden there are decorations on your face. So it's like, oh, that's, you know, what's going on here? Because I knew that they weren't telling people not to wear masks anymore. So anyway, I went back and I sort of 
ran a search in my emails and stuff, and I found a paper from Johns Hopkins from October 5th of last year. And what it actually is, they're, they're wanting masks now to be a permanent fixture uh, in society. Um, so that right now, if you look at up in N95 in news, for instance, for the last um, month, you're just going to see hundreds and hundreds of articles on like free masks, um, new government contracts for N95s. And right in the paper, it says, um, it talks about masks um, being part of the permanent fixture in society. And it, it says a change in normative behavior is needed if the goal, and listen to this, if the goal is to increase public mask use after the pandemic, and then it goes on. And, yeah. And then it goes on social science, a cultural change, a change in normative behaviors needed if this goal is to increase public mask use after the pandemic. Some have called this the culture of safety and healthcare. The same behaviors would apply to the general public. Policy driven normative shifts have occurred in the past. Smoking mm -hmm. limitations and seatbelt use are two examples. Those shifts required substantial effort and time. So social psychologists describe two relevant theories that relate to such change, social norms and diffusion of innovations. So the goal now is, and you know, right after I read all this, when I went out again, I saw everyone now, it, you know, it's like rebrand and everyone now is wearing these N95s on their face and they're ordering them, for, you know, and so all those um, videos and that we saw come out from World Economic Forum at the very, very beginning of all these, you know, like really high um, fashionable masks. We all laughed at them, you know, thought how, how silly they were, but that's the future. <laughs> that's that's the future right. they, they, they are, you know, trying to create. Well, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's, um... I, I said this in, in the last blog post, and I, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that are very amenable to the idea of masks, but it, and it speaks to a number of things that probably are beyond the scope of, of our chat here today. But it is it does it does register as as an incredibly fearful populace then. Um, at the same time, of course, you know, it's it's so divided because you have these massive protests, you know, and this is a topic I wanted to get into, too, um, the, the, you know, that, that what I read in social media and hear from people and it's anecdotal is, um, is that there are a lot of people, increasing numbers of people, in fact, much more um, this is much more prevalent now than it was six months ago, that people have woken up to that, that, that there was an overreaction. That's the word that's used. The government overreached and didn't need to shut things down. There's a lot of people, of course, who lost businesses that are very angry and so forth. Uh, but, but they are skeptical of the government because they don't want um, what they are calling. And they, they do link it with, with, the great reset they understand there's something going on um but they're worried about world communism right so on on one level they're smart enough instinctual uh instinctually sound to to know when they're they're being lied to openly but but their political um 
maturity level is very limited, you know, and, and they misidentify things. They don't understand history because education has been destroyed and so forth and so on. And so you are, you are aligned with people that have often very cuckoo opinions about other things that, that overlap sometimes, sometimes don't overlap. And, and it's not necessarily even a problem, I don't think entirely, but because you can talk to people, I think. But there is a big push somewhere from the, the propaganda apparatus, or and there's probably multiple um, sources of propaganda behind this, uh, to, to push this idea that... Um, what we don't want is is world communism and capitalism has to be corrected and and reformed and then it will save us and then it will save the planet through during climate change as well um johan yeah you you raise a lot of interesting issues here i think um just let me let me try to back a little bit Uh, because because on the one hand i think we do have some kind of narrative shift uh, as we've said a few weeks uh, just let me get, give you a couple of headlines from our our, uh, our major newspaper. They say that um, first that Denmark will uh, will cancel all all restrictions and and prohibitions uh, all, already this this Monday next week. They also say that the rate of infections are going down, and also a, a really astonishing headline. Uh, they they admit that um, COVID might have been in Norway since 2019, which kind of kind of uh, ruins the rationale for for everything every every attempt at stopping the spread of, of 2020 and all that anyway even even if the narrative is not cohesive right now as you say this may also be kind of an ephemeral um, like a, a transient phenomenon because i think you're right that the foundations of some sort of, of biopolitical health the puritanism perhaps kind of paired with this woke conservatism that we talked about have been established and that's that it is and also reinforced by the NGO sphere that they're doing their best to like anchor this development very thoroughly we also see that so you have these two kind of incoherent developments side by side and and of course there is a pivot to Russia and the new red scare because that's yes, what our yes. media has been focusing on instead of COVID it's been Russia Russia for the last week yeah no and that's true here too as well yeah yeah There's that been was a massive not- massive like Russophobic um, um, suddenly op eds appearing everywhere and yeah. saber yeah, rattling going on um, I wanted to mention <clears throat> one thing here and and. I wanted to just read, because you were talking about headlines. <clears throat> this is, in a sense, neither here nor there, but it's but it's very representative of something. Um, I, and I'm quoting uh, U.S. military news, which is an interesting source. But anyway, uh, quote, a doctor with decades of experience can't practice medicine after her license was temporarily suspended over accusations that she shared coronavirus misinformation, according to a Maine licensing board, state of Maine. The board has or- ordered her to undergo a neuropsychological evaluation. Uh Dr. Merrill J. Nass, who got a license to practice medicine in Maine in 1997, had her license immediately suspended after a board investigation and review of complaints 
against her on January 12th, according to a suspension order from the main board of licensure in medicine. Uh, Nass, who's an internist in Ellsworth, Maine, must submit to an evaluation by a board-selected psychologist um, by February 1st, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The information received by the board demonstrates that Dr. Nass is or may be unable to practice medicine with reasonable skill and safety to her patients by reason of mental illness. Uh, anyway, it goes on. She was apparently uh, advising people uh, to take uh, ivermectin, <laughs> uh, which is clearly a sign of mental illness. Yeah, John, um, Whitney Webb actually did an interview with her and at least one, maybe two. Um, I just listened to them this this week or last and Tessa Loves Robots. I think the blog, the, um, blog is called. She did another interview and they're both great. And this woman is mm. fantastic. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's, you know, that's where we are. But I'm going to throw out a few other um just vague topics that, and I want people to room because we missed you for last time. Um, uh, you know, I find, this is just my, again, anecdotal, but I find that one of the problems I'm discovering finally, or I'm, I'm able to isolate in terms of social media and, and things like the COVID um, story, um, the last two years on social media, is that um, we're, we're just faced with such a massive educational deficit that um, you, have, you have people that, that a guy, I was in, on a thread and I try not to engage in threads very often at all, but this was a friend, a woman who's now not a friend, but anyway, um, and they were complaining about um, that, that communism and fascism were the same. It was that trope came up again. And this guy was posting videos <laughs> made by, um, I forget what it was called, IK Today or some, I don't know, some ridiculous title. And it's, it's some one guy who I think probably assembles these videos in his mom's basement or something, you know, on, on his computer and posts them as if it's historical record. And, and it's like reading Arthur Bremer's diaries. I don't know if you remember Arthur Bremer, the guy who, who shot George Wallace. Um, and what was that was the source for um, a Taxi Driver, the script was, was borrowed heavily from Bremer's diaries. But this was, listening to this guy, I was reminded, I thought this guy's like Travis Bickle on some level, you know, and he can't distinguish at all between levels of reality and what our homemade crackpot um, versions of history that have no basis in reality at all. And yet there he was and people were engaging with him. And, and actually I ended up being kicked off the thread because I said, you can't, you know, you can't indulge this stuff because it's kind of dangerous, you know, um, and it's, and it's patently false. Um, but, but that wasn't okay to say that. And, and, and I was sort of kicked off for being rude, but it, but it occurred to me that this, this is, one has to remember that one spends one's time with reasonably educated people. You know, my friends I like to think of as educated, you guys, for example. But that there's a, you know, there's a, there's a mass of people out there who, 
who can vote and, and voice opinions and occupy you know, space on social media and they make a lot of noise. They're very noisy. They occupy a lot of room and they're crazy on some level. They're extraordinarily ignorant. And, and this, is, this is one issue. And the second is the, and you and I, we've all of us actually talked about this in, over, the, over the last few months, the, the lack of cohesion and, and the sort of infighting on the left, but also the, the, complete, the complete bankruptcy of official left responses to, I mean, the example I'm thinking of is the World Socialist website is now organizing high school walkouts um, until conditions are safe for students to return to school. They're actually organizing the walkouts because they want more restrictions in the US. Okay, I'm turning it over to somebody else. Varun. Yeah, I, mean, I, man, so the, I, I don't know, I think the, my point of view on this, is, uh, the, the political situation is funny because it's been so carefully inverted, all of it over the last few years like last couple of years is that now nobody really knows which side of what line anybody is standing on. And that's yeah. what's funny is that, that the, the reality testing mechanism of individuals is so compromised is that they're so deeply, I mean, they have not thought about what they believe ever. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's what's happened. And if they were to reflect a bit on that and trust their own intuition and their own experience, then they would easily side with a very sane public, which is now kind of dwindling in the world, it seems. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, <clears throat> it's hard. I think what I find difficult in a sense is I don't know, you know, I, I have a couple thousand followers on Twitter. That's nothing, you know. And, and um, so I, I engage with, you know, X number of people and I follow a few people who have maybe, you know, I'm not, I don't follow very popular people, but I <clears throat> try to catch up on news. Somebody has 20,000 followers or something. It's very hard to gauge um, how representative these sources are that, 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 you know, you are reading. Um, even if they're recycling stuff from major newspapers or other very, very well-known sources or uh, whatever it might be. It's very hard to gauge how representative any of this stuff is. And I think this is one of the problems with, with, the, with the internet and with social media is there's, you're, you're adrift. Um, you're looking for familiar signposts to, to get some sense of scale. And, and relevance to, to what you're reading or who you're talking to. And it's almost impossible. Um, it's, it's uh, at least for me, I find it, uh, in, it increasingly bewildering, in fact. Um, anyway, okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Johan, Corey? Um, I'll jump in here. So I wanted to just speak a bit. I don't know if we spoke about it on the podcast before, the Five Eyes Alliance. 
It's mm. um, it was started in the 1940s. No one knew about it until the um, Snowden um, released um, revelations about it in 2013. But it's the biggest surveillance alliance in the world. And so the Five Eyes Alliance, because I keep thinking of it. I mean, the first time I heard about it, um, I was like, what? Five Eyes? What is this? I didn't know if it even was real. And then it was easy to um, find out it was real. I mean, it's right on the Canadian website, New Zealand government website, Australia. I mean, you can find it now. So um, the Five Eyes Alliance is the US, the UK, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. And then there's... Um, an extension of that is the Nine Eyes, which is Denmark. You add on to that Denmark, France, Netherlands, and Norway. And then there's a further extension of, of that alliance. And that's the um, 14 Eyes. And that's Belgium, Germany, Italy, Spain, and Sweden. So a lot of those countries, as you all know, are um, really integral to this whole rollout and reset. And then if you go... I think um, Hiroyuki shared it last week. If you go to the vaccine purchase commitments per capita, number one, Canada, number two, Australia, three, UK, um, New Zealand is number, I believe, five. And then um, Japan, which is trying to get into the five eyes right now, that's six. And then the US is seven. And then um, anyway, it's, there just seems to be, um, you know, obviously a big connection. I mean, the biggest surveillance alliance in the world now rolling out digital passport passports. I mean, that's obviously the most intense sort of right. surveillance project there's ever been, right? Um, mm -hmm. anyway, I found this documentary that was made on a director in Canada and one in New Zealand. It came out in 2016 and it's all about the five eyes and the growing, um, you know, like data turning into the, into money, surveillance, everything. And then, man, it's like, it's all been scrubbed from the internet. I had such a hard time finding anything on it. And finally, I found these clips in one spot. That's the only place I could find them on the whole internet. So we've just downloaded them last night and we're going to um, share those probably on Wrong Kind of Green on YouTube or something, try to get those mm -hmm. out to the public. But I, I think, you know, it looks like there's a huge overlap here. Right. Um, no, that's really fascinating. We should put them in the links to this podcast. Yeah, as yeah, well. yeah. Um, yeah, Johan? Yeah, I have a, a little reflection that kind of relates to all of this. Uh, if you if you bear with me for a minute, yeah. Uh, so I've been thinking about how how this attachment to technology is a kind of generational phenomenon in a sense, like that the younger and ascendant generation is more attached than the older ones, and so on. And, and Corey, because you, you talked about how you, you think the only real solution here would be for people like to voluntarily reject the entire uh, edifice of the technological system to to stop using Facebook, to smash their smartphones and so on. And I completely agree with you, but I think one, one huge obstacle to contend with is the fact that almost everybody has strong attachments to, to the system in question. And, and a few years back, uh, I think it was related to, uh, to the deep green resistance movement. I, I don't care much for them, but it was a good point. Somebody talked about how the, the Native Americans fiercely defended their lands from incursion because they knew the land 
and they loved the land and they were aware that they, their very lives depended on the land, that everything good in their experience in one way or another kind of stemmed from the land or, or was intimately connected to it, the, the woods, the hills, everything and so forth. And in, in relation to this, what you have now is kind of a situation where everything good in people's impoverished lives in one way or another comes from or, or is at least connected to the smartphone or the computer screen. And I think this is especially true for the younger generations. This, this holds very much for the, the millennials and the younger generations because like everything good in your life flows from the screen, your social life, your food, your property, your simulated sexual gratification, everything, ent entertainment, distractions. And you know, right. like you say, fam familiarity breeds contempt and so on, but familiarity also you know, generates affection and attachment. You grow to love that which you encounter. And, and well, like, I, th I yeah. think during the lockdowns, this has been everything good. It's the only good. Yeah, you know, yeah, for a exactly. Lot of people. Yeah. It's so been it's, like very much intensified during the lockdowns right. as well. You know. Well, I just wanted to relate one thing. That just reminds me of another thing. Since we're just kind of jumping all over the place here, um, because we've talked about automation, and and Norway here is they love anything that smacks of new automation and progress they're completely addicted to it um and and they're insisting now on electric cars i mean i think something like nine out of ten new cars being bought now are electric um never mind that they may ultimately be more harmful to to everyone and the planet than than petrol but internal combustion engine but um but never mind that the the um God, what was I going to say? Even um, the oh, the about about automation. Uh, so in Norway, there's like a net bank system. All banking and and almost all transactions and and you know payments and so forth are made through this net bank system. It's all automated, and you're given a number and all of this stuff. Um, <clears throat> and I, it it often works sort of well, although increasingly there are bugs in the system because it's gotten too big and NetBank went down for almost like six hours last week or two weeks ago and it was catastrophic you know I mean everything stopped for a while and I had a thing the other day where I transferred money into I have a, several different accounts numbered accounts and I transferred money into one of them and it went to the wrong place and it was the weekend. And so this money disappeared. It got sucked into someplace I couldn't even figure out. And I knew it would probably, I could call the bank on Monday and have it corrected and talk to the bank manager who I know, a very nice lady. Um, but on the weekend, I had no money. I couldn't get any money. And this is just a tiny little glitch. So you magnify that a hundredfold. And this seems to be, it's my experience that nothing fucking works. You know, in terms of technology and all of this digitalization, my experience is that virtually none of it works as it should. Uh, and, and so these fantasies of this extraordinarily streamlined future, you know, the Jetsons, uh, is what I think people imagine. And I, I think something i think it's going to become obvious at a certain point that in fact it does not work nearly as well 
as advertised. And it's going to start to cause significant problems and cost lives and, and, um, and enormous hardships for people. Uh, and then what will the response be uh, by, by the government and, and by the makers of this stuff? I mean, we all know the experience of not being able to talk to human beings. When you, when you have a problem, the tech support and so forth is usually um, an automated robot that can never understand my American accent. Uh, and and uh, so, so this is, I, when I read stuff about, well, you know, Google and Microsoft are trying to wire up Africa and they're getting the internet to, you know, Malawi and, and the Ivory Coast and wherever, um, my guess is that stuff's going to work even less well there because there just simply isn't the infrastructure for it and, and, and support for it technically and, uh, and maybe even a, a sort of generational skill set that maybe isn't there yet either. Uh, what's that going to be? What's that going to look like? I don't know. Um, but but uh, yeah, Varun. I think See, the point is they've, they've managed to put a new telescope in the sky, which is an upgrade from the Hubble. They've been running something called CERN in Switzerland. for, right. And all of this has costed trillions of dollars in human working hours, right? Like, it's just, the point, I think, is that all the, what you, the points that you're making, I think it's more that they actually don't, like the establishment in general doesn't care about making life easier for the public. That's not the no, intent, no. No. right? The intent is to keep a labor force active enough and kind of distracted enough so that they keep doing what they've been taught to do, which goes back to the education paradigm. Mm -hmm. And so that, I mean, so that you, when you start seeing the cracks in the wall is when you will actually start throwing a tantrum. But everything that they actually do is to stop you from seeing the cracks in the walls, essentially. But they are... Yeah. They are there, there is this delusional plan that they are trying to formulate and and follow through with, and all the money is being pumped into that shit. Like it's just about res natural resource and <coughs> exploration and all of this stuff, which surprisingly works really well. You know, like is all of that kind of high tech stuff is working, but when it comes down to like simple bank transactions, then all of us are all the time frustrated with OTP passwords and staying on phone calls for like <laughs> minutes with right. energy companies and internet providers and whatever like it's just i think it's just it's it, it creates a sense of frustration and an aspiration to be super rich so that i don't have to deal with these problems that kind right. of reinforces the way the hierarchy of society is set up in that sense well see that's really interesting and that becomes a, a, an enormous discussion but but I think that's exactly right, and and that 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 something in the way the structure of um, <clears throat> digitalization and automation has worked, um, driven by by profit and and a consolidation of of wealth and all the rest of it. The the short answer is that yes, I think it has bred increasingly. Um, a fear of downward mobility, a terror of downward mobility in people. 
and um, a desperation to to uh, climb out of where they are to a, a much higher, safer, privileged status. Uh, and that's that's exactly the definition of of, of the breeding ground for fascism. I mean, that's 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 exactly what what will result from that. Um, people are going to identify with with you know some great paternal power figure who will solve this this increasing terror they have of um, of going backward, you know, of regress, which is which is intolerable given the conditioning of most people today, I think. And that's, I yeah. I think that it already exists. And that's the reason that the first class of Davos under Klaus Schwab and all these leaders that have come out of it have managed to gain such amount of public traction and have their, the public of their nations follow their rules without question. I think it's already there. And that's the point is that we have to realize that we have been living in boxes which have been designed for us by a certain class of people. And we have to understand that it's not in the favor of the public, I think. Right. Johan. Yeah, and I think here lies also the answer as to how the, the left is being recuperated. Um, my, my point I think was that, and also how, why the general public cannot really parse reality or analyze it properly because there, there's really no material basis for, for the development of anything like a class consciousness. And, and you have no way to communicate it, even if you happen to form one, because you just you have these simulated relationships and our immediate access to reality is, is mediated by these spectacular institutions of, of capitalism. So, you know, the, the system here is basically training the, the ascendant generations to love and defend this digital homeland instead of anything like human life yeah i agree <laughs> that's very good yeah um no i think i think i think that's right go ahead Bruno. i didn't mean to no i think it was more just i mean it's it's i mean i can give you a very practical example of how throw away culture was inculcated in the late 60s by massive amounts of propaganda and television and magazines and all kinds of advertising and stuff like this but the same thing is now happening to people yeah. with how people consume quote unquote each other in yeah. the social media context and That's so you made you made people as consumables and now you're transferring them to something called the metaverse where they are only going to be as good as what kind of entertainment they can give you that's what instagram is that's all there is to it now you know like there is no other real relationality left all your Real relationality is now with the state and the corporation. Yeah. The people don't matter anymore. That's you know, those are really interesting points. I mean, uh, you know, Instagram as as maybe the quintessential uh, platform for for manufacturing emptiness. Um, yeah. You know, it, it there's just nothing. It, it there's nothing there. It's all temporary, ephemeral, and um, meant to have no meaning particularly. Uh, it's very strange. Anyway, um, so so, what does everyone think um, in the in the immediate future? Because because one thing that that I I have hammered away at 
um, a lot has been the question of, of travel restrictions, uh, prohibitions. And because I think ultimately in the not distant future that travel will simply be impossible for uh, the average middle-class working-class person, that it's going to be the province of the rich, highly affluent, the, the service industry, those who serve the very rich. And that's it. The airports will be made up of private jets and almost nothing else. I mean, private jets are already a booming industry the last two years because they haven't stopped flying. So, so I mean, I hope I'm wrong. But I, it, it just seems as though that's everything is trending toward that that direction, and and uh, but I don't. But I also at the same time sense that there's enormous resistance to. It. There's a lot of people that are very upset by this. A lot of the protests have touched upon this. People, have, you know, I see signs about it. Uh, so it's hard to know where uh, where and how intense the resistance will be to some of this stuff. Because clearly there will be another pandemic at some point, although I think it will be preceded by a climate crisis of mm. some sort. Um, and, and as Corey was saying earlier, you know, the, 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 I see also the manu, you know, mask manufacturing is a new, you know, growth industry. And I see it on, on advertisements that that pop up on on my threads and various you know social media, Gmail, everything, I get advertisements. People are selling designer masks. Uh, this is, you know, after uh, in a sense the official end of the pandemic. So so the other thing is that we recite all of these statistics and we talk about this stuff that seems so crazy and um, irrational, but um, uh, it, it, nobody seems to have any reliable grasp, no confident grasp of, of numbers and, and anything. I mean, Varun talked about there's growing numbers of vaccine side effects. I mentioned it. We all could recite numbers, I think, and and they're terrifying, but they somehow don't seem to dent um, the evening news in any significant way. And what is the what happens next with um, with the vaccine story exactly? Um, I, I, I can jump in, John. Yeah, please. Because I've been thinking about that in the last few days, and I actually bit a lot of my nails off. I don't even bite my nails. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I was just sort of jotting down things about where I, I think we're going, and I see it more and more as what you have been writing about for years, that this is actually... Um, just marketing and packaging, right? Sort of like we're going into this like really super cool sci-fi Jetson, you know, Netflix type um, thing that you'll want to be part of where I think it's all packaging and, and complete, you know, fiction really. And so I see the great reset as like a global, um, you know, digitalization, monetization, um, complete mon monitoring of, of the populace gene edited um, and mostly class to cast. Uh, the desegregation, object, objectification, commodification and bioengineering of nature, um, great destabilization is what I would call it. 
And I think the, the, the race to put in the passport is more than anything to control the fallout, right. To try to manage going into a brutal, brutal, um, you know, future where the monetary wealth continues to transfer upwards democracy, you know, as, um, a lot of that illusory, um, wholly abolished. So we go from democracy, um, even if a lot of that was only in our heads to corporate autocracy, technocracy, and then again, sold and um, packaged in a shiny, sterile, sort of hi-fi, sci-fi storytelling escapism, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the human relationships with nature and each other will strategically um, continue to erode as we bond with as the bond with technology intensifies and that's deliberate and that's part of this whole thing since the beginning right every single day we're being conditioned this is a behavioral change project um, but largely I think um, man's arrogance will be his own undoing right I think the the technology itself that does um, sort of that is realized will be I think it's all height um, I think it'd be clumsy, largely clumsy. And, you know, like a lot of the stuff we talk about, I think it's right. um, oversold. No, so, yeah, and, and I absolutely I, agree. Yeah, yeah. And I just think, um, I just think that the arrogance, you know, that they, that they can do better than nature. I, I, I think that's like, you know, obviously huge like really arrogant, um, ridiculous, and actually insane. And I just feel like um, we've gone from, we have this amazing, beautiful, beautiful world, and we're destroying it. Like, I mean, these masks, these electric cars, they're made of plastic. This whole plastic industry is booming. And who's the number one plastic producer? Exxon. So while we cry climate change, climate change, climate change, <laughs> we're just actually these industries are being strengthened and we're consuming microplastics we're destroying we don't need masks to live we need um healthy ecosystems to live right so we're destroying the very things we depend upon and so i just think the dignity of, of work and life is being gutted and that we'll see you know more and more deaths of despair in that you know i i like i just think that our quality of life is going to decline like really rapidly now and that mental illness will increase at the same time yeah so, no i i couldn't agree more i i and you know it's i i was reading jonathan beller's first couple of books for for the recent blog post i wrote and and beller is very good i mean sometimes he can he can really go off the rails but by and large but but it's because he's a risky and an intense thinker um and brilliant and and those books are well worth reading the cinematic mode of production uh because what he fills in has has been like the prehistory of this this last two years with you know the covid story he's talking about the last 30 years the intensification of stuff that actually preceded that you know all the way back to to the invention of the photograph and 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 then cinema uh and then the computer he's very good with that and and the the problem is uh and i'm trying to think how to approach this without taking two hours to, to actually give it 
justice, um, the topic. But the 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 quality of life will deteriorate, and and this goes back to a little bit also my experience on social media, where you talk to people who who simply can't discriminate between um, something that is that is clearly um, valuable and vetted historical record or or writers who have you know a level of of knowledge and experience that that is credible and just you know crackpot alex jones cuckoo stuff right they can there's really literally no no intellectual skill set in place to make these differentiation you know differentiations anymore these distinctions and and uh, so we're we're seeing the, it. It's very hard to again know um, how people are going to respond to the failed promises of all this technology. Uh, clearly, people are dependent on antidepressants and all kinds of pharmacological solutions to things. There's increasing anxiety and, and people take stuff to dull that anxiety. This is in the West anyway. I think that those areas of the, of the world least affected by, uh, by technology, by, by the, you know, the most cutting edge technology in quotation marks are, are the healthiest. And Varun mentioned like CERN, this kind of stuff, you know, everything from game theory to AI to whatever they're doing at CERN, which they've been doing indeed for over a decade or so, I don't even know how long now. Uh, costing trillions of dollars. Um, uh, and what exactly has been achieved? Maybe, you know, Higgs boson or something, which has no relevance to anybody in the world, except the people, you know, doodling with this very expensive equipment. Mm. Uh, and I write constantly about the erosion of philosophy as a subject. And, and I was listening to that, that Russian professor, uh, not very much of his stuff is subtitled in English, Arpov, is that his name? Uh, talking about the way you see certain subjects being dropped from, from university curricula, um, curriculums. And, and philosophy is, and the classics are, those departments are shutting down <clears throat> right and left because nobody, um, nobody studies that stuff, except Johan. Um, at university, no, I mean, you know, this just not, the new definition of intellectual, the new definition of serious thinking is computer thought and, 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 um, and, and that's that. And uh, so, so this is, I think, uh, the, the, the greatest problem and it always ends up coming back to, to education somehow that, that there needs to be a, a, a force of people's education and part of it is aesthetics that people need to learn to make these distinctions um, and, and, and un be able to recognize the sound of wisdom. And because I think it's hardwired into people on, on one level, I think if people trust their instincts, they do know the difference, but they've been so brainwashed, so conditioned, um, so indoctrinated by this stuff uh, and and as you said earlier, um, Corey was it that that or Johan that you know all goodness th flows through 
the the smartphone. And uh, as Corey, I know, has said, the best thing that could happen to everyone is to throw their smartphone away. And there's absolute truth in that. So, yeah, I, I think we're 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 transitioning out of the very direct um, pandemic protocols into um, climate reset protocols. Everything will still be infused with a sense of emergency and crisis. And I think it requires one to stay um, to, to stay very uh, very conscious and focused on on, on what's <laughs> happening because I think there'll be a lot of a lot of parts you know moving parts in all of this. Johan. Yeah, I, I also think there will be a, a climate to a pivot to climate, a climate to pivot, and uh, narratively speaking, if you if you get people to associate the 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 emergent viral danger with the climate change, well, well then you, you're gonna kill travel pretty easily. But I mean, don't worry, you you can always travel in the metaverse, John. It's it's fine, <laughs> uh, guys. Do you remember this? Uh, this Jim Carrey movie from the end of the '90s called The Truman Show. Have you have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good, I think. And and apparently there's a, a kind of syndrome, a delusion that's called the Truman Show delusion. That's kind of probably inspired by by it, uh, where people believe they are a part of some kind of of a, well reality show, schizophrenics and so on. So I'm I'm just I'm just wondering what kind of kind of delusions are. Are being fostered by this this uh, this very unnatural uh, digital cage we now find ourselves in in comparison to that that movie. Yeah, yeah. I'll just I, I'll just add one here. There was an article in the newspaper in Hindi which says that now fifty five people a day are dying because of climate change. It's a climate attack. They're all <laughs> they've got heart attack problems and paralysis, and they're landing up in hospitals. And the rates are insane. It's just heart, blood pressure, heart, and paralysis, and right. almost sixty people a day. Well, that figures, right? Everything, mm. everything is now going to be a climate change death. Yeah. Um, in the same way, everything was a COVID death. Uh, because I did see one of the athletes who dropped dead. I saw an article the next day that said climate change causing stress and heart disease in young people. Yeah. I thought, right, that's what it is. I'm so worried about climate change. I had a fucking heart attack, um, and I'm only 27. Um, no. Johan, no, I'm, I'm. That was my last. Okay, I just saw your little blue hand. Think there. up something new. Um, okay, well, well, um, this is a relatively short one. We were missing Hiroyuki, um, uh, but. Uh, uh, Maybe we can do the next one a little sooner without such big gaps. It's hard over over the holidays um, to um, to coordinate coordinate things. But I think that that this this discussion of um, of education, whatever we're trying to do in this long game against uh, this growing global fascist state, because that's what it is. Uh, requires education and it's hard and it, and it requires patience, God knows. Um, and social media is not the delivery system, um, is not the optimal delivery system for anything of an educational nature. And, and that's a topic worth um, exploring maybe next time. Uh, 
how does you know how does the people's university form and and mm. and start disseminating material you know promoting <clears throat> the the right voices i mean it is very painful to see stuff like what has happened to the traditional left of so much of it not all of it you know there's us after all um but so much of it has been so wrong and and so um, inflexible and and intractable about their wrongness uh, and with regard to the the pandemic and the vaccines and the and um, so so part of it I think you know that that people being isolated furthers this ignorance nobody can talk about things there's no left parties in the West anymore that have any meaning any relevance. And people, it's where do, where do you turn to learn? I see young people go, well, I signed a petition at move.org, you know? And you go, no, but that they're fascists. I know they don't advertise themselves as that, but they are, they're evil, nasty, destructive people. Don't go there. But, but you have to get that information out there, right? And a lot of it's to these, to young people is very counterintuitive. And um, so, so, that's, I think, should be the focus. The long game of um, right now are immaterial people's university. All right, final thoughts, Corey, Varun, anybody? Yeah, go ahead, Varun. I have to collect mine. Well, I, I think I've said everything. <laughs> There's not much to say except that um, I think there needs to be a kind of a plan to start living naturalized lives outside mm -hmm. of like, I mean, basically saying what Corey has been saying for so long, um, to start kind of weaning ourselves off the system and finding other communities to kind of intertwine with in some way, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to make very one very short note because I agree absolutely. Uh, but the reason I think, it, but but that's not simple. That's not a simple issue, right? I mean, you know that, of course. But because somebody said to me the other day, and oh, I don't believe in isms, communism, fashion. I don't believe in isms. I'm an orgorist or something. And I had to look up the word because I actually didn't know what it, what it meant. And it kind of means somebody who believes in like, you know, positive relationships or something between. It wasn't political, in other words. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want. Yeah, I wish, you know. You know, the mountains were made of marshmallows, too, but it's but they're not. So, you know, you you, you have to work with what you have in some sort of realistic sense. Yeah. And that's yeah. why that's why those isms have evolved historically. You know, yeah, exactly. um, there is this reductive, like cartoon seventh grade level thinking yeah. out there among adults. And it's frightening. OK, Johan and then Corey. Yeah, just, a, just a, a quick question that we maybe can think about until next time is, and to tag on to, to what Varun said, how, how to in practice smash the smartphone. And, and just as an example, at my church now we're starting a choir and we're starting this, this teenagers group for like cooking and, and doing stuff together, like outside of digital media. And that's at least something to begin with. Right. Well, I told you, there's a guy here who teaches, teaches, um, well, kind of what he teaches is fishing, but, um, yeah. 
but he takes his students to this island and doesn't allow smartphones or anything mm -hmm. and there's no electricity anyway and they spend like four days and they love it at first mm -hmm. they don't want to do it and they come back after four days and go that was the greatest four days i've ever yeah. spent yeah corey when I was doing research this week, I came across this article on a website called Tech Dirt, and I'd never heard of this, but because it's in the U.S., but maybe you guys have. So it was about this um, election simulation parlor game, and um, I guess this this billionaire couple and um, the wife specifically, Rebecca Mercer. I have no idea who that is, but I think she's like um, you know put um, millions or. I'm not sure how many millions into the Trump election. So anyway, like um, that that's the political aspect. So the the left, right, quote unquote left, um, liberal left, whatever you want to call it in the in the states went crazy on this because um, part of the game, right? It was like a monopoly game, right? And you came in with all this money and part of the game was that you could do, um, you could create a biometric citizen's ID. And so people just were um, disgusted with this. And it was like a huge story it went into all the sort of left media. And, and it's just amazing because now that's actually happening in reality. Mm -hmm. and, and, right. and, 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 and they're all helping it come, you know, um, get cemented in, into real life. And it's just sort of incredible what, you know, a couple of years makes when it was a conservative, like a, a Trump um, affiliated billionaire doing it. It was it was like the most horrific thing they could ever think of. But now that you know all their peers and foundation money and, and you know and all their sort of peer group is for it, now it's completely fine or just unspoken of. We just won't talk about that part of it. Mm. You know, so it's just um incredible. Like you know, I over and over and i've said this on the show before you know the malcolm x quote they put your mind in a hat and take it wherever they want you know that yeah. that, that quote well and you know what was it today one of the headlines i read was neil young you know rock and roll radical rock and roll um you know demanding whatever the you know some draconian measures he was supporting vaccine mandates he oh yeah he wanted to censor joe rogan because rogan, <laughs> rogan was just it's like when when you you're so reactionary that you're demanding the censure of limited hangouts it's, it's like we're entering really new territory um uh it, it, it it's uh it's become it's become um a strange world uh the semiotics of of, of all this of all this kind of public role playing public theater is very strange okay um Let's wrap up uh, and and thank you all. Thank you, Varun. It's really great to have you back. Thank you, Corey, um, as always, and Johan. And um, thanks to Jack Lippman back in LA who will put this together and um, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks guys. Thank thanks, okay. good night. See you. Bye.